Welcome to Best Served Cold, a Bore Millennials podcast, where we drink wine and talk about crime. Presented to you by Tama J and Laura Lees. This is the good shit at the start, though. The, like, <clears throat> the raw, unfiltered shit. Yeah. Welcome to Best Served Cold, unfiltered, uncensored, unedited, ungood. <laughs> Not great. <laughs> so that's how we market our podcast. Yeah. We have a true crime podcast. It's uh it's not, not good. great. <laughs> but uh we better. try. We really try, guys. We, we may really have attempt. I feel like in all honesty, I feel like our banter has gotten a lot better from the first episode. Our banter is natural though, like we live together. That's no, but I feel like when we did the first episode, like, I think you were a bit hesitant to interrupt me and, like, put your little opinions in, so you kind of just let me talk. Right. Where you're a bit better at kind of, like, interjecting when you want to say something, which I think is good. I think otherwise it gets a bit boring. Yeah, it's just one person basically reading off, well, not really reading off, like, you're kind of retelling and, like, have you have notes there for reference, but it's kind of like just one person telling a story and, like, describing something with another person just going, mm, yes, quite interesting. <laughs> Yeah. No, I think it's better. You need to, especially when we're talking about such heavy shit, like you need to have a little bit of humor. As much as you don't want to like try and make light of the fact that people have died in really horrible ways. Yeah. You kind of like, like, it's kind of something. Yeah, you need a little bit of something to lighten the mood. Lighten the mood, otherwise you just kind of want to kill yourself at the end. Yeah, it's just like way too fucking depressing. Yeah. Uh, And I think the world's a bit too depressing at the moment anyway. There's been a new, uh, new thing for this month. What's uh, the new thing? Killer hornets. I read about that. Yeah. What? I, I mean, I say I read about that. I read a news headline. Yeah. Like, what is it? Are they actually killer hornets? I haven't Horn- read too much hornets? into it because I've just been too... I've, a, I've been busy and B, I just don't really need it's that too much. mentally. It's Um. It's I assume much. it's just a fucking plague. Well, because uh, it's just in the States, isn't it? I don't know. I assume so. Yeah. It's a... It's a it's, the, you know, the biblical plagues, you know. Maybe someone, like legit, maybe someone released them to try and keep like the lockdown protesters inside. Yeah, while they're recharging the birds for surveillance, mm. they're using hornets. Yeah. Um, stole that joke off Alistair. Well, no, he stole that joke off of um the internet. Oh, did so, he? Huh. Well, there you go. Um... So we've already discussed that I'm going to go first again, didn't we? Because I'm too excited about mine. And yeah, I plus you got a good story. I can't wait till the end. I'm too excited. Just too excited. Um, so yeah, you go first. I'll allow it this time. So this week I'm going to talk about... So I'm talking... It's kind of two things, but one thing. So I'm talking about a specific crime. Uh-huh. And then I'm going to fill you in on a bit of the backstory about the place where it happened. Because the place where it happened is weird. Right. So you're giving a crime and then the context of what makes the crime Yeah. So I'm talking about, I'm still not sure, I probably should have watched a video to find out the correct pronunciation. I'm not sure if it's the Cecil or the Cecil Hotel. Cecil? I don't care. I like (laughs) Cecil. Because it reminds me of Cecil. It's so much funnier if you call it the Cecil. The Cecil Hotel. The Cecil Tower. Um, So I'm going to be talking about the Cecil Hotel in general and then one particular... I I mean, I can't even really call it a murder because technically it's a closed case and it was technically classed as accidental. Weird 
event, I'm going right. to call it. It's a okay. weird event. Strange occurrence. Strange occurrence. Stranger things. Strange things. Um, okay, so the Cecil Hotel. So, the Cecil Hotel was opened in 1927, so we're going old school again here. Wow. Had over 600 rooms and it was owned by William Banks Hanna. Ooh. It was supposed to be a destination hotel for international businessmen and social elites. That's how all good businesses start. Mm, yeah. However, he didn't have great timing. And two years after its opening, there was the Great Depression. Yeah. <laughs> so shortly after it opened, the area surrounding it became what we all know in LA now as Skid Row. Oh. You know that area? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, so soon the hotel became a place that like junkies, runaways and homeless people would go. Not exactly what our good mate, William, yeah, Willie had planned. He, he didn't really envision the next. Um, so there's so many uh, weird things that have happened in this hotel. I've just jotted down the individual things cause there's so many of them. And then we're going to get into the main event. Okay. So I'm just going to like buzz through these cause otherwise this is going to be a real long addition. So, in 1931, W.K. Norton was found dead after taking poison capsules in his room. Ooh. In 1932, Benjamin Doddick was found dead by the maid after shooting himself. 1934, Louis D. Borden slit his own throat Jesus. in his hotel room, leaving several suicide notes behind. In 1937, Grace E. Margot wrapped her neck in telephone wires and jumped from the ninth floor window. Oh, jeez. 1938, Christ. Roy Thompson, a U.S. Marine, jumped from the window, killing himself. 1939, Irwin C. Neblett ingested poison capsules, killing himself. 1944, Dorothy Purcell was staying as a guest. She didn't know at the time that she was pregnant. She woke. This one's quite sad. She woke up in the middle of the night with stomach cramps still not realizing she was pregnant, went to the bathroom, delivered the baby by herself in the bathroom while her husband was sleeping. Wait, she didn't know she was... She didn't know she was pregnant. So... They were staying in the hotel. Up up until this point, she... Up until no this idea. point, she doesn't know she's pregnant. Which happens to some, especially women for the firstborn, like they don't pop out. It happens. Like really? it happens quite a bit. Yeah. Huh. Like you hear of women who like don't know and then they like have their babies and in the they toilet. Have no signs of showing. Yeah. That's fucked up. That's get off the fucking table. Um, Peach. So she true. delivered the baby by herself in the bathroom while her husband slept in the in the bed. Then when it was born, she believed the baby was dead and she threw it. She freaked out and threw it out the window. Oh no! It wasn't dead. It was shortly after when it hit the roof of the adjacent building. Oh, God. And then Purcell was charged but found not guilty by reason of insanity. Um, we all know the Black Dahlia murder, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure one of us will cover one episode. I would love to do the Black Dahlia. It's actually believed that the victim, Elizabeth, was seen at the Cecil Hotel the night before her death. Shit. Uh, during his infamous killing spree, Richard Ramirez, a.k.a. the Night Stalker, stayed at the Cecil no Hotel way. multiple times. Holy shit. Austrian serial killer Jack Unterverger, he stayed at the Cecil Hotel multiple times what during his killing spree. What the fuck is happening here? Mm-hmm. This one's also quite sad. In 1962, Pauline Otten and her husband were arguing on the ninth floor. George Gianni was walking just casually minding his own business on the sidewalk down doing his own thing um pauline's husband left the room pauline wrote 
a suicide note, jumped from the window and landed on top of George and killed him also. Oh, dude. Yep. That's unfortunate. Retired telephone operator Pigeon Goldie, who was... <gasps> wait, what? Who was... Wait, she was famous around the hotel as she protected and fed all the local pigeons. Oh, okay. In 1964, <clears throat> she was found dead in her room at the hotel, assaulted, stabbed, and strangled. Wow. Never solved. Wouldn't it be, like, <clears throat> I- ironic if she was, like, run over by a car or something, like... Like, killed by a pigeon? Yeah, like, death by pigeons. Hmm. So, in total, at the Cecil Hotel, there have been 16 deaths that are non-natural since it opened. Whoa. So, like, suicide or murder. Yeah. Um, and then, like, two really well-known serial killers. Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, and, like, multiple weird, like, paranormal ghost sightings and all that sort of stuff. Like, it's a freaky place. Damn. <clears throat> so, moving on to the biggest well-known strangest case, which I feel like you probably wouldn't know it by name, but when I start describing it, you'll probably... Recognize it because okay. the footage is like you can't forget it. It's so terrifying. Right. So again, I probably should have looked a video up to find out the correct pronunciation of her name. I think it's Elisa. Elisa Lamb. E L I S A. Elisa. Spell it again. E L I S S A. I think it's because it's not Alyssa because there's no A. So I think it'd be Elisa. Elisa. Elisa? Elisa, I don't know. I'm going to call her Elisa. Okay. So, this one's... Yeah, this one's sad. So, Elisa Lamb, she was a college student. She was born in 1999, so she's only... She oh, would have been wow. a year older than me. Yeah. Um, she was studying at the University of British Columbia in Canada. Uh, sorry, she, she was born when? 1991. Oh, I thought you said 1999, and you said a year older than you. And I was no, like, what the she's fuck a year is? older than me. Yeah. 92, boy. Sorry. Carry on. So, she went on kind of like a gap year. She was embarking on a solo trip around all different places. Her parents initially didn't want her to go alone, and they had finally agreed that they'd only let her go if she checked in with them daily. Like, every day she'd call them and be like, still alive, Mm -hmm. all G, I'm at blah, 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 hotel. Yeah, as most parents. Yeah. So... January 26, 2013, so this is a recent one, Mm -hmm. Elisa checks into the Cecil Hotel. She was due to check out on the 31st, and when her parents don't hear from her, they get really worried because she'd actually kept her promise and had been calling them every day. And then all of a sudden... Yeah, 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 so it was weird for her to not check in with them. Yeah. Um, So a few things worth noting that just kind of add to the mystery of the story... Um, Lamb had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and depression, and she was on a combination of like different medications to manage it. So a Reddit thread said that she was on about five or six different medications, like um, mood stabilizers, antidepressants, antidepressants, antipsychosis medication, Mm. which is important. Um, where was I up to? Because one um, of the symptoms of bipolar disorder is um, hallucination. Yeah, if you have it like really bad. It's like a mild <clears throat> schizophrenia of a yeah. sort. Um, but her parents had said that she'd never been suicidal, had never had suicide attempts or like acted like mm. she had suicidal tendencies. Okay. A few days before her disappearance, she was actually in a shared room in the hotel However, after multiple complaints from the roommates saying that she was exhibiting, quote, strange behavior, she got moved to a solo room. Hmm. So that's kind of important. Right. 
Um, Lamb also ran a Tumblr blog, good old Tumblr, back yeah, in 2013. Yeah, I miss Tumblr. Where she... Tumblr still exists. Yeah, but it's, it's not used anymore. I, I miss I when, like... I use Tumblr. I yeah, love Tumblr. I miss when Tumblr was, like, fun to use. I just want to be a Visco girl. <laughs> um, Is it actually still a thing, like... Like, yeah. a, like a big thing that people still use, or yeah. people just use pick. Like I use it to um, I can't believe I'm about to say this on a podcast that is on a public forum, but I use it to look at Taylor Swift fan blogs. <laughs> wow, just keeping it real, That's honey. Cute. Nice. Um, so she had a Tumblr blog where she posted like fashion photos and that sort of stuff. So the police actually respond really quickly to her parents reporting her missing because you know how a lot of the time you hear in these stories like they'll report their daughter missing and they'll be like, oh, she's probably run away, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. It'll blah. be like the, the worst case scenario and then they'll... Yeah, so they actually respond really quickly. They search the hotel almost immediately after she's reported as missing. <clears throat> they also interview people in nearby stores. They spoke to a girl called Katie Orphan at a local bookstore who said that she'd seen Elisa that day and she seemed in good spirits and had been buying books as gifts for her family members. Okay. So it was all kind of normal. Good. Yeah. They search the hotel with dogs. However, they can't go everywhere without probable cause because obviously you yeah. can't just go into guests' rooms. Yeah. Um, they do, however, search the roof. The dogs find nothing. Although an uh, article I found from September 2019 said that uh, one of the cops recently came out and said they did actually pick up a scent on a window ledge leading out to a fire escape, which could have possibly led up to the roof. Right, okay. So shortly after... They release the infamous CCTV footage, which everyone has seen, and it's so creepy. It's her in the elevator. Oh, this. Yeah. Right. So it's one of the... Yeah. I remember seeing it for the first time, and I thought... I was so... Because there's no sound. Yeah. Because it's CCTV, so there's no sound. And it's so creepy. It's terrifying. Because it's just the... So it's like the back left-hand corner of the elevator is yeah. where the camera was. Um. And it's like one of those things where you're waiting for something to like pop out and scare you. Mm. I thought it was like a fake video when I first saw it. Um, so in the footage, you see her going into the elevator. She's completely alone, but she seems like weird. She's off. Like something's off about her. She's yeah. like looking around. Um, another weird thing that adds to this whole kind of conspiracy theory around this case was the footage has been altered. So there's bits like spliced out of it. Um, most people say it's because they've just cut out the bits when nothing happens right. and just shown the bits of her in it. Because they only release a CT CCTV as in, like, have you seen this girl? Oh, okay. Like, as in to identify her. Yeah. So So the full thing doesn't exist. The full exist thing's got, like, a yet. couple of minutes missing. And people have said, oh, they've just cut out the bits where there's nothing happening. Because there's no point in... a case like this... Watching an empty nothing elevator. Nothing happening is all imp important by yeah. details. Um, so she gets in the elevator and like does that thing that you used to do as a kid where she like presses all the buttons. Yeah. And um, she's like looking at the doors. And yeah. Everything. So she's like, she steps out and like pokes her head and looks sideways. Like she's looking for yeah. someone or at Fuck. someone. Um, there's no, the CCTV, I can't tell if they didn't release it or if they didn't have a camera in the hallway, but you never get like the hallway. Yeah, it's just her in the view. elevator. Um, the other weird thing is that the elevator doesn't close, which I noticed when I rewatched the footage. Like, she gets in the elevator, 
pushes all the buttons and she's standing in there for a good 10 seconds and the elevator door doesn't close, which I found Mm. strange. Like, that's just... Like, sometimes elevators are so fucking quick to close. They close on you when you're trying to get out. And it's hard to tell if the buttons have changed to the point where you can see that yeah because she presses all the buttons and then like steps back into the back corner so she's not holding like the open door button but it's also like at this point are they have they cut out footage or is it still just no you can tell this is like one continuous shot right um so i found that really odd that like the elevator door yeah doesn't close um so, I've got a quote here from a forensic psychologist, Cheryl Arut, who says, At one point in the elevator, it looked like maybe she was hiding from someone. She seemed to be hiding in a corner, trying to make herself small and be out of sight if someone were walking by the elevator. And that was one of the moments that was rather odd. Mm. Um, so, she ducks in and out of the elevator a couple of times, and then she gets back into the elevator one last time, she's doing something like making weird random gestures with her hands, but because it's like pixelated CCTV, yeah, you, you can't really like it make out like fidgeting or she what could be it is. Hand signs. Yeah, but it's really like it's so creepy because it's kind of like it looks like. Honestly, it looks like when I play with the cats, like when they're hiding in the hallway, and I like stick my head out and then pull it back in, yeah, and then like stick it out again and pull it. Like she's doing that. Like she's. It doesn't to me it doesn't look like she's scared. To me it's, it looks like she's playing a game with someone. Yeah, it's not natural behavior. Yeah. Um so again, I think this is why there's this big conspiracy theory yeah. because people are like it's such a weird thing to do. But then it all it like it kind of all adds up when you get to the end and like hear about the toxicology report and stuff. Um but I think this the elevator footage is the main reason why people don't want to believe that it's just a well, straight that accidental and death. What happened to her? Well. Yeah. Um, so this is the part that's really gross. So Elisa's mi- Elisa is missing for about two weeks. So the elevator footage is released, I think, nine days after she goes missing, and then four days later, the remaining guests at the Cecil Hot- Hotel start to notice something funny with their water. They say there's low pressure and it tastes funny. Four days after the release of the CCTV footage and roughly two weeks after her disappearance, Elisa's body is found in one of the 4,000-gallon water tanks on the roof of the hotel. The tanks provided water for guest rooms, the kitchen, and the coffee shop. So guests have been bathing, drinking, drinking, having their coffee. Yep. Um, So one thing that's worth noting is the responders had to completely drain and cut the side of the tank to actually access her body. So these that bloated. No, because the tanks are that small. Oh. The tanks are eight feet high and only four feet wide. Shit. Like, they're not big, which is, again, why people are so fascinated by this story. Um, So she's five foot four. These tanks are eight feet high on little platforms. Like when you look at the photos, they're on like little yep. platforms. Um, there was speculation. A couple of articles I read said different things. So most of the articles said that she was nude and her clothes were also floating in the tank with her. And then a couple of others said that she was clothed, but had a weird sand like substance on her skin. Interesting. Mm. Um, Hotel staff said that there were also alarms that would have been triggered when you opened the doors to the roof. 
Um, oh, good but point. But then others have said that there were fire escapes that you could access from certain doors that weren't alarmed. Uh, which goes back to when the dogs yeah, got her sent yeah. on the, the window Fuck, ledge. Full circle. Okay. So the autopsy, there's a few different things, again, that like add up to why people think it's a big cover-up. Like, for instance, because so many people, so the girl at the bookstore and all the hotel staff said that they'd seen her completely alone. Yeah. So a rape kit was done but never processed because so many people said that she was alone. Yeah. So they did, they took all the swabs and stuff for a rape kit but never actually, never processed, actually processed it. it yeah. um, another article I said said that she had a prolapsed anus, which could be a sign of rape, but then another person said it could also be a sign of decomposition because yeah. she'd been in the tanks for two weeks. Um, I found this incredible Reddit thread that went into heaps of detail. Obviously, this person must have... I don't know if the toxicology report must be public, um, but they went into so much detail about what, what medication she was on and what was found in her system. I didn't write down everything they said because it was just too long. Mm-hmm. But long story short, from what the article said, she took at least one of her antidepressants the day she died She'd taken her second antidepressant and the mood stabilizer, but not that day. And she'd not taken her antipsychotic recent any time recently. Oh, shit. She had no alcohol or common illegal drugs in her system. Um, the kind people of Reddit have also done some, like, ridiculously detailed research into, like, the density some of the sleuths. metal on the lids of these tanks. Because one of the again, main arguments for saying that she couldn't have possibly got in there on her own is they're saying, oh, she was only five foot four, this like slim Asian girl Hmm. and these metal tanks. There's no way that she could have, A, moved it in the first place and then B, put it back on because the lid was perfectly on. Once you're in there, it's how do you do that? Yeah, so someone's done like a full detailed research into like the general type of density of metal that's used for tanks and like based on the diameter of the tank, that this would be how much the lid would weigh and the fact that it's hinged. Mm. So it's not like a slight, it's like a lift and drop drop one. So they've said that the fact that it's hinged would have meant it's not actually that heavy. So you can lift it and then for it to put back, it just like gravity just pulls it it back down. Um, Which would mean theoretically, if you're in the tank, Unless you're using something to prop it up, the lid just closes. Yeah, you can't get out. Um, So the case is actually closed. It's been deemed accidental drowning. Um, But I think with all the things like the elevator footage and... The history of the place itself. Yeah, I think that's... I think if it was a normal hotel, people would be more um, willing... Considering the notoriety of the actual hotel itself, it's like... But a lot of people are saying that her actions in the elevator can be um, said that it's like she's had a psychotic break because yeah. she's not taken her medication. And, and it looks like she's playing with someone and having a game because in her head she maybe is. Yeah, which anyone who knows what like the symptoms of yeah that her, her illnesses and what psychosis really is, yeah. that so, looks like what that is. What I've seen and what after doing all this research, I do sadly believe is the answer. She's had a psychotic break. Mm. The elevator footage, while creepy, is just her 
in her own head and then yeah. somehow she's gotten onto the roof because let's I've never had a psychotic break but I've been drunk before and I think some pretty dumb shit is a good idea when I'm drunk yeah. so I can't imagine having a full psychotic break you might think I'm going to climb on this fire escape and then you get on the roof and you're like oh I wonder what this tank is so like you climb up because there's kind of an when you look at the photo there's kind of like an adjacent building which you could theoretically, if you could climb onto the adjacent building, the top of the tanks is only like a foot drop. Oh. So you could get right. onto this other building and then get onto the top of the tank. Shit. And the fact that she doesn't have her clothes on, people think she's gone in there for a swim. Yeah. And then right. because obviously this hinge lid while you're on the ground, you can lift it. But once you're in water, because don't forget the tanks are eight feet tall. So that's, she's in eight feet of water. Yeah. So there's nothing to push off of. To get yeah. the lid back up and she's once you're in, and she's five foot four, so it sounds like she's had a psychotic break. I'd gotten into this tank somehow, maybe to look at it. She thought it would be a good idea to go for a swim, and then sadly, she's not been able to get the lid off, and she's drowned, which is really sad. It's fucking depressing. Yeah. Jesus, man. Um, the only other weird thing that's worth noting that's really creepy but again can be easily explained away remember how i told you about the tumblr blog yeah so her phone was never found in the aftermath of her disappearance and her body being found her tumblr kept updating what yeah the fuck so there is a function on tumblr where you can queue posts of course but it's still creepy that her phone's never been found yeah and how long does it say how many updates it doesn't say how many updates it just said that it kept updating after she went missing oh that is so again it's something that can so easily be explained away but when you put it with all the other creepy things with the story it sounds so why is this connected why is this happening yeah fuck dude so you see what I mean? It's so interesting. Yeah. Like it's something that on one hand you could say is so easily explained and on the other hand it can be so much more sinister if you like want to read into it. It's the mystery of it all is what's so tantalizing. Yeah. Like, because like uh, uh, as human beings we constantly search for the answer and you know puzzles are something that's so intriguing to us that we need to sort of find the end and the answer and mm. I think when like mysteries like this appear like I think that's why so many people are um, so. Uh, oh, sorry, our cat just distracted me. Um, I think that's why so many people are fascinated by like aliens and mm. you know, uh, well, just conspiracy, con- conspiracy, conspiracy theory, conspiracy, conspiracy theories in general. I think is the it's the unknown that keeps people once there's hooked. a a proposed and an answer to a question. Mm. It's like you know that just becomes so tantalizing mm. to people. Because, yeah, the, the the elevator footage is incredibly creepy, creepy to fuck. watch, especially when you know what happens to yeah. her. But, yeah, again, if you're watching it with the idea that it's someone who's having a psychotic break... And you also got to remember that she probably know or found out maybe about the history of the hotel itself and to someone who has what sounds like severe yeah, mental health issues that's... 
It's something to consider. Why the fuck anyone would go and stay there in the first place no, has got me. When you're 16 deaths and yeah. two serial killers that have stayed there? No, thank you. No. Not a chance. I feel like if you're going to go to LA and stay in LA and like... Well, it was cheap. Yeah, but I mean, like, there's got to be other alternatives that are equally as cheap. I guess so if... Yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's pretty cheap. One article I said $14 a night. But it's also to like... Is it... It's so much more worth it to just be like, I'm going to fork $50 extra a night to just stay somewhere that I'm not going to probably be murdered in. I was worried about that being too long, but I think I (laughs) rushed through it a bit. Was that like a lot to take in? Was Uh, I talking really fast? No, that was perfect, I think. Okay, I I get really excited. We'll we'll listen back to it, but I'm pretty sure. Probably just like, and then this, and then this, like, I just happened. too excited. But, um, yeah, it's one of those, it's, it's a story that if you take it at face value, it's just an incredibly sad story about a girl who's very mentally ill and sadly passed away. If you want to look at it with a conspiracy theorist eye, which you know I love to do, it's incredibly fucking creepy. It's terrifying. Incredibly creepy. But it's kind of, it's like, is it a case of something that's so simply, um, there's like an answer, the answer is so simple to it, or is it like, you know, something that has been um, almost fabricated? That's yeah. the thing about it. Like, you know, this um, and, and any other really conspiracy, you know, and like we've discussed in the last podcast about journalism, um, the liberties that journalists will take with, um, you know, stories and mm. I think retellings. It's, I think it's very <clears throat> interesting when you hear about stories, though, like 2013, that was what, seven years ago. Mm. Technology was still quite advanced seven years ago and the fact that they've still not been able to solve it at all in this day and age i think is what makes it so when today when like i think it was last year they've figured out a way to 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 determine or replicate what a cave woman's voice would have sounded Mm. like well that's how they found the golden state killer after all these years because technology has advanced enough for them to test old dna in new ways yeah which is how they managed to find like kept most of yeah most things so you never know maybe one day we will know who the zodiac killer is next maybe next episode will be the golden state killer we're gonna (laughs) just tana and i are gonna find out who the zodiac killer is yeah you wait this is um this is, we're gonna we're gonna be the next. This evolution is now the Zodiac uns- Killer podcast. Now the Unsolved Mysteries podcast. Yeah. If you don't know what the Unsolved Mysteries is, it's a TV show. Um, is it about mysteries that are unsolved? Yeah, and it was the, the purpose of it was to try and propose to audience members to like, you know, obviously watch and be like, oh, oh my god, it's they so had ones that have been solved from this though. I remember have- supposedly there's a huge. Uh, so oh, uh, don't almost, ruin it for I'm, me. I'm sorry, but there's that's the thing about it is, so like they, you know, declare that like several mysteries have been solved by, um, people watching the TV show and like coming up with like the answers to the to the to the, the mysteries, but it's like that thing I was I, I was discussing with you, um, a little while ago the there was a document documentary debunking the Super Size Me documentary, um. And in the same video that I was watching that through, they were debunking a lot of the unsolved mysteries um, 
like the uh, everything to do with the unsolved mysteries. So it's it's there's a, a mountain of evidence supporting that these mysteries that they put on the TV show never actually were mysteries. They I'm just like, waiting for it to go full circle and like the Super Size Me comes to debunk the debunking yeah. of Super Size Me. Yeah. I think that guy made and then way they too just much money. Keep to, going. I don't think he gives a fuck. He's like rich, probably. I'd imagine. Probably. I don't know. Um, well. I'm so excited. With that said. To hear about yours this week. So. Because I actually don't know much about this guy either. So, as with everything on this podcast's future, past and present, uh, we we go into the detail and depths in some pretty fucking bizarre shit and some pretty disgusting shit. Uh, I think so far this might take the cake in terms of the level of gruesome. I mean, Ed Kemper was pretty gruesome. He had yeah, sex with people's heads. Yeah, was, that's pretty gruesome, but, I mean, this shit's pretty fucked up. And I think when you factor in uh, the the repercussions of what this did for, for pop culture, for, like, everything... To do with horror and murder, mystery, everything to do with like that kind of shit. Uh, oh, sorry, just quickly, you just reminded me. Apparently, they're trying to get a movie of the Alyssa Lamb story greenlit, but the family aren't happy about it. Right. So, stay tuned. So, what would the movie be? I don't know. That's what. That's what I mean. So, it's kind of how much. How is it? I that think much of a... they were gonna do like a supernatural retelling, as in like there's a ghost oh, that makes okay. her. Okay, it's like based off it. of the yeah. story. That'd be but the family doesn't want it to happen. Which, yeah. to be fair, I mean, it's only been seven years since. Like, yeah, and they're guys, like, let uh, it. Don't make a movie about the death of my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> the fuck. Sorry, continue. you just reminded me when you said that's okay. horror movie. So this week I am talking about the notorious Ed Gein, who I honestly. Have heard his name, but know nothing about. Yeah, I think many people have heard his name, but don't necessarily know him or what he's done. But uh, his actions have uh, inspired several Hollywood films, several actors, uh, several characters. Sorry, several pop culture icons. Uh, it's one of the most notorious strings of murders and him himself is one of the most notorious murderers i think it's also like sometimes with the really well-known serial killers like the ted bundy's and son of sam's a lot of not like we're we're breaking the boundaries here but i find a lot of podcasts don't cover them just purely because they are so well known yeah i feel like um the the, the good thing about my favorite murder i guess is they go into um you know, murders and mysteries that you don't necessarily... That I've necessarily never heard of. of. Yeah, they... Never heard yeah. of, which I love. Which I f- is great, but I feel... I Exactly what you said. Like, yeah. I feel like a lot of... Either podcasts get too specific or they just mm. don't cover certain things because they're so notorious and quote-unquote well-known. I feel like it's been a good mix because each week you've kind of done a big well-known serial killer. Yeah. And I've done someone who's maybe less known so you're like you get that was not worlds. english you get the best of both worlds it's also just you like get the best 
it's also just like you hear like Ed Kemper and you go, oh, I know who Ed Kemper is. And you like, okay, yeah. uh, Yeah, but then you actually. Yeah. But but then you think about like what he did and you go, I don't actually know that much about him. Or Son of Sam. Yeah. You're like, oh, he heard a dog talking to him and he committed murder. It's like, okay. But then you watch and you research what he actually did and you go, and it's like all Mm. this information you had no idea ever existed. Um, so with that, with that said, I'll, let's I'll jump, jump, let's jump into right it. into it. Um, Ed Gein, uh, who, uh, as I said, he was inspired uh, several horror stories, um, which I'll get into later on. I'll give you a bit of backstory onto who Ed Gein was. Uh, his born Edward Theodore Gein on the August twenty uh, seventh of August nineteen oh six. So we're going a little bit back. Back in time. Uh, he was the second son of George Philip Gein and Augusta Gein. Mm. Uh, his household, in his household, he uh, grew up in um, a home riddled with alcoholism and religious fanaticism. So his What's father. Religious fanaticism? Yeah, uh, fanaticism, sorry. Oh, fan- I was like, <laughs> I, was like I don't know yeah. what that means. Um, George Gein uh, was an alcoholic with an extremely low sense of self-worth. And Augusta was just, to label her in two words, I just would call her a religious freak. Um, Just, she saw sin and filth everywhere she looked and nothing was pure anymore. Same. Um, She hated her husband. Same. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And... Due to like his alcohol, George's alcoholism and his uh, low sense of self worth, he was found, found it hard to keep a job. Oh, he would have been like a yes man as well. Yeah, if he was essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's why I think they they met and married is that he's like you know a, a, a yes man kind of guy, and she's a and very she powerful, wanted someone, domineering yeah. woman. Um, Same. <laughs> so I'll stop now. alongside his older brother Henry, Ed uh, lived with their mother and father in. A city called Los Cross, uh, La Crosse, sorry, um, and it was described by Ed's mother as a haven of sodomites and heartlets. Jesus, she would drill into the boys, um, telling them that they were worthless, uh, and when she wasn't abusing the, the her sons, she was instead bullying her husband. Uh, Despite all this... This is all starting off great. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like... We, we keep returning to the same principle. Yeah, like aside troubling. from our friend H.H. H. Holmes, we yeah. haven't really had anyone who's not had either a head injury or a traumatic childhood. Yeah. Um, so, despite all this, Ed Gein, uh, for some reason, really came to idolize his mother. Uh, in 1915, the family left Lacrosse uh, to Plainfield, Wisconsin, which I'm again. Plainfield, Wisconsin, is like one of those places you hear and you go, "I've heard that before," but I tried to Wisconsin research. Wisconsin does seem like a murdery place. Yeah, to I, me. I've tried to research no into Plainfield to itself. Wisconsinians. I'm trying to figure out where I've heard it from, but I can't. Like, I don't actually know anything about Wisconsin. <clears throat> it just sounds like somewhere. That people would get murdered. itself is kind of like a murdery town sounding mm. place. Plainfield, Wisconsin. So the town uh, could be described as like a tame, uh, empty, not a lot 
going on. Um, however, Augusta um, described the town as just being plain sinful. Uh, from there, why does she keep moving to these places? No idea. Like, what, I, I, sweetie, was, go somewhere. Thing. Like, it's go the, live on a farm. It's the thing in of, Idaho. It's the thing of her just seeing sin wherever she goes. But that's what I don't get. Like, if you see that, like, go live on a ranch with some cows. Cows aren't sinful. They're actually holy creatures. Well, she, well to... they actually moved into a farmhouse when they moved to Plainfield. Um, so they were completely isolated from. So what is that? <clears throat> like, oh, that there, that blade of grass, that's a sin. Yeah. That's a paddling. So she would, again, drill into her children that all women were vile creatures who corrupted men and defiled Christ. Uh, the only time Ed and his brother were ever allowed out of her sight was to go to school. And even then they weren't allowed to make any friends or socialize with anyone. Uh, and that would be an issue if it wasn't for Ed being a quiet, effeminate and quoted weird looking kid. Um, he was short, he look like? skinny. I've it, never seen a photo of him. Fucking weird looking. I'll, I'll give them that. Um, but due to this, he was subject to a lot of abuse and beatings at school. He was essentially a bully's wet dream um and after graduating from school he moved he uh spent most of his time with his mother he didn't uh go out of the house and socialize i mean i'll give the man this he's got some fine looking cheekbones like bella hadid would be on those cheekbones it's like it's gaunt cheekbones kind of a thing yeah, it's a kind he's, of diet. For like, yeah. I mean, I, I would say he's. I'd say he's very like normal looking. All right. To be honest, I don't think he's particularly weird looking. Fair enough. Um. So, April first, nineteen forty, George Gein suffers a heart attack and dies. Um. It's thought due to his alcoholism, probably. Probably uh, just to get away from his wife at this yeah, point. to be honest. Um, leaving his sons alone with their mother. Um, after George's death, Augusta's uh, her fanaticism is increased almost like tenfold. Like, imagine you imagine her as just you know being a crazy well yeah because often often with those people it's like you think they're crazy until the person that was actually their anchor yeah dies and then they float away into like the fucking stratosphere of crazy it's like with the ed kemper story where um his parents split up and then there's no one left for his mother to abuse Mm. So, yeah. it, in turn, that moves on to someone else. Mm. But in this case, it just means that her insanity is just... You know what it is? It's like when you have one of those wounds where, like, something goes all the way through and they can't pull it out because if you pull it out, all the toxins just rush through. Mm. Good metaphor, Laura. Sure. You know in those, like, medical shows when someone gets, like, stabbed by a street lamp or something... And they always have to bring them into the hospital with, like, the pole still through them. Yeah, I understand. I'm not seeing the connection to that, well, the, however. The, the pole was her husband. And when he died, he took the pole. <laughs> it made sense in my head. Yeah, All she, right, keep going. She, metaphorically, she bled the fuck out and died in a hospital gurney. Exactly. See, you're getting <clears> it. You're getting it. Uh, so she forced into her son's heads that 
women were the embodiment of evil and the whole world was pitted against them. Um, <clears throat> Ed's older brother uh, attempted to form a relationship at the time, um, soon after his father's death, uh, with a divorced mother of two, I believe. In Wait, how old is his brother at this point? Uh, Are they still in high school? No. This oh, okay. Nine, so we're progressing from 1915 into 1940. Oh, okay. Pardon me. Yeah. So he's like a grown ass man. So okay. they moved to their city in Plainfield, 1915. Right. I was picturing like a 16 year old, like shacking up with a no. divorce. So they spent several years in school and then afterwards they still lived at home. Gotcha. Um, I think his brother moved out at that point, but he formed a relationship with a woman who was uh, a divorced mother. Um, and after learning about this relationship, his mother denounced him as her son. <clears throat> um, Probably not bad. Henry, who was a, a, a good brother to the to his end, um, attempted to protect his brother and convince him to his side uh, to try and convince, like, to sway him from, you know, uh, siding with his mother because mm. he wanted to protect his brother. Um, at this point, however, Ed had already made up his mind and sided with his mother as he was... As I said before, he was just obsessed with his mum. Mm. <clears throat> um, in 1944, a fire broke out at the farm where the Gein family lived. Uh, when firefighters arrived, they found an agitated Ed Gein, claiming that his brother had disappeared into the blaze. So after a lengthy search through the smoke-filled woods, um, police found Henry's body lying down, face down, in the ground with a fatal wound at the back of his head, which coroners determined that he had actually died from smoke inhalation. Oh, okay. So he had survived a near-fatal wound to the back of his head, but actually had survived the wound and actually died later from smoke inhalation. Right. But I thought they said they found him in the woods. Yeah, in the in the woods of their property. That must have been a lot of smoke. Yeah. It, well, it, the, uh, it's like... I mean, granted, I don't know that much about lungs, so I don't really know how... Smoke... I forget how... It's fine, I believe you. Continue. No, I forget how big the, the... I think it was... Yeah. So it's 79 hectares right. of land. Okay. So 195 acres. So it's huge, like, property. Um... Sorry, I'll stop interrupting. Yeah. <laughs> I just find it interesting. I like adding my commentary. Um, so the fire breaks out. Um, his brother's brother's found dead on the floor. The police almost straight away rule out Ed as the murderer. And the case is just dropped as a, as a, as a death by smoke inhalation. Mm. Just, Let's just ignore the... Yeah, essentially, they 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 don't even bother to really question Ed. That just sounds like something that like Chief Wiggum would do. When Augusta receives the news of Henry's death, she suffers a major stroke that leaves her heavily disabled. Um, And finally, at this point, Ed Gein has his uh, his dream realized. He's now finally completely alone with just his mother. Just he's what he's wanted for nearly for nearly forty years. I'm not liking where this is going. From late 1944 to the end of 1945, Ed and his mother live alone, seeing almost next to no one uh, during this time. 
they do nothing but stay at home and cultivate their toxic relationship. Um, the only significant event uh, the pair experienced that year, which 1945, if you remember, was the end of the World War, uh, celebrating the end of the war on two continents, mm. um, World War Two. They made a rare trip outside their house, uh, Augusta and Ed together, to buy straw from a man named Smith. When they arrived to Smith's house, they found Smith beating a dog while an unknown woman was begging him to stop. <clears throat> so Augusta, seeing this, becomes furious, um, not because of the beating of a census, uh, beating of a innocent animal but because the woman does not appear to be his wife Mm. so once they return home uh ed's mother then teaches him a new lesson that all women are guilty of lust so uh it's escalated from women are evil uh women are corrupted to now women are just all guilty of lust uh, this, these lessons, however, didn't last much longer as December the 29th of that year, um, Augusta suffered a second stroke and had, that had finally killed her. So now alone, 39-year-old Ed decides to board up and perfectly preserve uh, his mother's room exactly the way she left it. I thought you were going to say her exactly the way. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, 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 no. He doesn't keep the body, though. No, it's buried. Okay, all right, good. Um, so he also shuts off and boards up several rooms in the house, leaving just two rooms available, uh, and slowly but surely loses his fucking mind. Well, I mean, to be fair, it doesn't sound like he was all that mentally stable to no, begin with. No, he wasn't, but he, he sinks further and further into yeah. fucking insanity. In 1946, so the next year, um, Ed becomes addicted to horror novels and pornography. Excellent combination. Great combination. Uh, He mail-orders books on Nazi experiments and female anatomy and begins teaching himself taxidermy. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Uh, Yes. Oh, I don't like where this is going at all. The next year, over 1947, Ed begins digging up and robbing graves of women. So he's completely spiraled now into, mm-hmm. this is after a year of learning about anatomy and, and taxidermy. He's escalated into yeah. robbing graves, taking their bodies. He removes the hearts, heads, genitalia, and intestines of these women's bodies before returning their bodies back to the crypts. Well, that's nice of him. <clears throat> um, supposedly <laughs> the families never knew that these bodies had been disturbed. All these graves well, they disturbed at all. wouldn't, <clears throat> I guess. I don't know. Um, I don't have a crypt. He does this several times. Uh, and by the 1950s, Ed's no longer returning the bodies to the graves. Instead, he's dragging the entire the entire bodies back to his farmhouse to practice taxidermy on them. Um, so despite his... This is already so gross and I can tell yeah. we're like <clears throat> only the tip of the iceberg. Here. That's what I mean. It's like this one's fucked, dude. Like it's, it gets much, much worse. Excellent. Uh, so despite his uh, questionable hobby, uh, Ed still manages to stay relatively hinged while in public, um, taking on the odd handyman job here. <clears throat> um, 
I love e- that. Like money. he's got like a quiet life of like just let me finish pick, fixing people's plumbing, and then over nighttime he just goes and robs. Grapes. Give me a second. Taking the odd handyman job uh, to make enough money to survive, and also wait for it for a short time worked as a babysitter. <laughs> that was a bad time. A horrible time. Take a mouthful. And, and, and oh my God. Can you imagine being one of those parents? A nearly 50-year-old man. Oh, I forgot he's old. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, but like back then, like in the 50s, you'd be like, oh, that's just Ed. Still. He's a little bit funny, but he's a nice chap. Little <sighs> semi. He'll rough a little semi on the head. His, Send him out with a nickel. It's to show his gratitude to his... Uh, he would sometimes give his employers a package of meat, which he told them was venison. No! Yes. No! Yes. It's not venison, is it? So they, there's no actual proof that it wasn't venison, but it's highly <gasps> thought of that it was not Although venison. he did live on a really big farm. I don't think he was a hunter, though. Surely you And would... he robbed a lot uh... of bodies. But you'd like the meat would be rancid. I, like I surely you'd be able to tell back then. No, but wouldn't if it was like a decomposing body? Wouldn't you be able to tell that the meat was rancid? I don't, if not, if the the bodies were recently oh okay, buried. I don't say anymore. Plus, he's perfectly preserving these bodies as well. Oh, it's got a light smoky flavor. Yeah. Oh, I don't like this at all. Yeah, it's, oh, it's gross. Keep going. <clears throat> Uh, so by 1954, uh, a nearly 50-year-old Gein, uh, Ed Gein... Who's still babysitting the local children? No, it was a very short time. Oh, okay. A very short stint that he, he was a babysitter. It was, I think it was like, he was ma- mostly a handyman, but yeah. did odd, you know, babysitting jobs. Um, by nearly 50-year-old, Ed Gein was now a skilled grave robber, uh, cannibal... And taxidermist of human skin. That's so gross. Despite the murder of his uh, brother nearly 10 years earlier, Gein had yet to fully graduate to becoming a serial killer. Uh, He's a late bloomer. He's a late bloomer in this case. So, the the annoying thing about cases sort of this old and, and, and murderous from this time is there's a lot of um, mystery surrounding mm. there's no hard hitting proof i want to know if the <clears throat> venison meat was actually venison yeah uh but also that there's there's it's unsure how many victims ed had actually murdered so it's thought that some believe that um prior to his first murder in uh 1954 uh he had killed several times but there's there's nothing really concrete to back about that it up, yeah. it's it's thought that this as well as several grave robbing cases um, were just sort of linked to him uh, to to kind of close the cases, yeah. Because um, he was like he was just a quick scapegoat to close all these un, you know, these opened cases. Mm. Um, though, I mean, he could have done that. It, it's yeah. highly likely he could have done it. Um, so, December eighth, nineteen fifty four, Gein travels ten miles, which is sixteen kilometers for everyone else who isn't fucking American. Um, to yeah, like what's pi- what's a mile? Yeah, it's, <laughs> I don't fucking care about mile. Like no one, no one besides you guys use these fucking. Anyway, we'll get to that. He's an American serial killer, so 
we'll let it slide. <clears throat> 16 kilometers to Pine Grove. Well, that sounds pleasant. He walks into a local tavern where a woman named Mary Hogan, who is a middle-aged woman who looks somewhat like his mother. Um, I mean, it was described as she didn't not look... She didn't look unlike his mother. She was like similar to his mother. Well, she didn't way. not look like Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. I mean, she wasn't Jennifer Lawrence, but she didn't not look like her. She had like a similar eyebrow. Look, she wasn't pretty, but I mean, she wasn't not ugly. She was working at the tavern uh, this night. Gein walks into the tavern. Uh, it's unclear when and how he did it, but he shoots and kills Hogan and drags her corpse away into the snow, loads her body onto a sledge and takes her back to his farmhouse. Seemingly. 16 kilometers on a sledge with a dead body. It's mm. commitment. Uh, so back back to the farmhouse, he chops her body up with an axe Trend transforms her body parts into furniture. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's... This so much is no. just the tip of the iceberg. Just the tip. Uh, so there are several things he does with with bodies that I kind of want to get into later, um, because it's like the pinnacle of the story that I kind of want to leave it for the best okay. for last kind All of right. thing. Um. So uh, as time goes by uh several middle-aged women's bodies go missing from their graves with seemingly no one ever discovering um it's thought that ed stole nearly 40 separate bodies from cemeteries all around the state and this is just another reason why when i go i want to be cremated yeah i don't want no one doing shit with my body when i'm done supposedly he only ever confessed to nine of them but it's thought that he's connected to 40 of these missing Yeah, bodies. meanwhile, he's got a fucking furniture warehouse out the back selling leather couches. Yeah. Oh, I only took nine. Yeah. Buddy, the 25 Ottomans you have for sale <laughs> says different. Can you explain the human feet on the floor <laughs> over there? Genuine leather Ottomans. Uh, so, um, uh, November 16th, 1957. <clears throat> 58-year-old Bernice Warden was opening up her hardware store in Plainfield when Gein stepped inside, shoots her dead, and takes her body with him. So, at this, the, the time of the murder, November 16th, uh, 1957, it was just the start of hunting season. So, the town was seemingly empty. Oh. Um, so, he was able to successfully sneak her body out back to his farm completely unnoticed. Uh, and you got to remember, this is an empty, quiet town, um, and it's made even more so due to it being in open season. Uh, the day prior to um, Bernice Warden being shot dead, Sheriff's Deputy Frank Warden, the son of Bernice Warden, decided to pay a visit to his mom at her hardware store. So, Frank, being a sheriff's deputy, uh, is obviously trained to notice people acting weird, suspicious, um, and one such person who just happens to be the most suspicious person in Plainview is lurking around his mother's store as none other than Ed Gein, the day before the murder. Well, I mean, surely you would suspect the weird shut-in yeah. who, like, sort of maybe murdered his brother? So, um, at the time, 
uh, Frank noticed it, but he didn't think much of it. But 24 hours later, he couldn't get the thought out of his head. So at 5 p.m. Uh, November 16, Bernice Warden was declared missing. <clears throat> Frank went back to the store and found a long slick of blood leading from inside the store to outside into the snow. The last name written in the register of sales was Ed Gein. Eight hours Yeah, maybe after, like don't buy something from the hardware store where you're planning on killing someone. I mean, fucking murder 101, bro. Eight hours after Bernice's murder, Frank calls up the uh, Plainview, uh, Plainfield station, uh, police station and asks them to help in investigating Gein. Uh, shortly after Frank's call, the police... Um, arrest Gein as he's leaving a grocery store. Later that night, police raid Gein's farmhouse, starting with the barn. What they found in the barn s- sets the mood for the the rest of the house. Now, <clears throat> this is <laughs> you where... You look like you're bracing yourself. This is where shit gets real. Bernice Warden's corpse is hanging upside down from a beam in the barn, completely gutted and her head missing from the body. Her body was so badly mutilated that when officers first found her body, they thought it was a dead animal. I, I, I wish you could all see my face right now. As they progressed into the house, they found... The home, a mess, disgusting swamp of just litter. But beautiful custom leather furniture yeah. everywhere you look. Uh, infested with flies everywhere. Um, lying oh in God, a frying pan. Stunk. Lying in a frying pan on the stove. Oh, do I want to know? I, I, do I want to know what's in the frying waiting pan? Waiting to be heated up was Bernice Warden's heart. <gasps> As they searched the freezer no! in the kitchen, they found human organs filled in the freezer and in a paper bag was the nearly completely decayed head of his previous victim, Mary Hogan. This is... I will now... I'm now knowing why no other podcast has done this. I will now be going into detail on what police found. Maybe just a little 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 side note. If you're currently listening to this on your morning commute to work, maybe like switch to... Yes. Yeah, or if you're listening to this alone in your house at night, now is... I'd say skip maybe five minutes ahead or so. Can I skip five <clears throat> minutes ahead? Of course you can. You can leave a <laughs> room for this one. Okay, so quick disclaimer, skip five, skip like three, five minutes ahead if you do not want to listen to this because it is disgusting. With the bodies that Ed stole, it's... Quite honestly, it's hard to comprehend the things he did. He sawed off tops of women, women, women's heads and to turn their skulls into soup bowls. So the tops of their skulls were missing. And he had turned, used them as bowls for soup. Oh my God. Uh, he stuffed their faces and hung them on walls like trophies, like he would with deer or bears. Beneath his bed... And this is the one that I gagged on when I heard. <coughs> Beneath his bed, he kept two boxes. One box contained human noses. The other box was 
contained with female genitals. Ew. Two of which they believe were thought to belong to two women younger than 15. What a weird (coughs) thing to collect. He used several bodies to tailor his own clothes, one of which police found supposedly was a belt made completely out of human flesh, buckled with human nipples. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing because no, this is so horrible, horrible, but I'm picturing like a belt with like little like nipples that you can flick, like human, yeah. like the strangest, like... He had transformed... You look like you're going to be ill. He transformed... <laughs> Legs into tights. Yeah. Wait, what? Yep. Like, like, yep. Like tights, yeah. like that you go running in. Yep. Like, t- yeah. Like, no, like, as in, like, like stockings. Like stockings, yeah. I just, what? Yeah. You already have s- skin on your legs. Yeah. No, but he used them as tights. So. You like you know what my skin could use some more skin. More fucking skin, boy. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice leg you got there, but you know what it needs? Some more skin. Forget he foreskin. Fashioned corsets from human skin. He took one woman's torso and transformed it into a tanned jacket fitted with a pair of breasts. <laughs> Supposedly, this it's one of those things where it's so terrible, you can't yeah. help but laugh it's because like a it's just. <coughs> it not only is it horrific, but when you actually picture it in your head, it's the most ridiculous thing I could possibly picture. Well, picture this like a picture. blazer with titties <coughs> on it. Picture this, sweetheart. He would wear it alongside a mask of skin and dance around on moonlit nights. Same. <coughs> Um, they he was starting a coven. They good on him. Also found a waste bu- basket made of human skin, human skin covering several chair seats, skulls on his bedposts, a pair of lips on a window shade drawstring. <laughs> oh my god! And a lampshade made from the skin of a human face, with like the face <clears throat> things still. Oh my god! Are there photos of this online? I don't know. Probably. Um, Is all it the, bad all that I want to see them? Kind of, not really, I guess, but whatever. Um, years later after his, his arrest, McGee later confessed that he'd, he'd wish he'd always been born a woman. So all this relation to women's clothing, he's fashioned from women's skin. It's so interesting because now you told me this story, I'm instantly thinking of like four different movies that are yeah. so clearly... A direct um, parallel of this story. So I'll get into that um, after his arrest. So he, on ne- November 15th, um, uh, sorry, uh, I was uh, reading prior. Um, so after finding all these things in his house. I wonder uh, how many cops threw up. I think several of them were heavily disturbed by what they found. Well, the smell alone would be horrific. One, um, one uh, sheriff county, uh, county sheriff, sorry, um, during questioning, Art, Sh- Art Schley, uh, I believe his name was, uh, reportedly assaulted Gein by banging his head 
face face first into a brick wall set brick wall sorry several times um to get Gein to confess to what he did um do you need a confession at that point yeah he he wouldn't admit to it he didn't admit to it at first but like w- you kind of you, you don't do. You need a new, you need a Surely the, the <clears throat> evidence is undeniable at that point. Still, I don't know. Um, like, but, dude, you got <clears throat> a love seat made of human. <laughs> so, uh, as a result, result of this, his initial confession was ruled admissible. I'm just picturing, like, if this happened at the modern modern day, he's oh, like, yeah. I don't know, man, I just bought it on Amazon. What's really tragic um, is, so... Uh, his trial was put on hold for 10 years because he was admitted to a, a he, he pled insanity and the court was like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he spent 10 years you think? in a hospital um, before he actually stood trial to, for his crimes. Yeah. Um, so before he was actually uh, stood trial, um, unfortunately, Art Scully, um died of a heart failure at age 43 in 1968. Um, which was sh- well shortly before Gein's trial. Um, several of Slee's friends said that he was traumatized by what was found at Gein's crime scene. Oh, you would house. never forget that. Um, along with the fear of having to testify against Gein, um, especially about assaulting him, uh, supposedly is what caused his death. Um, he was just so stressed out about it and couldn't, sleep couldn't forget it well those will be images that would just never yeah like every time you'd close your eyes you one would of, see one of his friends quoted as saying he was a victim of ed Gein as surely as if he had butchered him which is extremely true <clears throat> um so like i said ed Gein was um uh sentenced to he, he was only um put into jail for one of the murders because they just they determined that um, the murder of uh, uh, of Bernice Warden, his his second victim, mm. was enough to put him in jail for the rest of his life. Yeah, they're like, we don't want to, we don't want to deal with you. They're like, there's the shit we found in your fucking house. Yeah, is we know you did it, but we really would just rather not have to talk yeah, about th- it. Th- so. It's exactly they 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 decided it would cost so much money if they were it, it would be way too expensive. It's also like the family members of the other families as well. Yeah. You don't want to be like, your daughter was murdered and turned into a lamp. They decided it wasn't worth putting um, yeah. the funding in to, to also trial him for the second murder. Um, so he went to jail. Uh, he didn't receive the death penalty. Um, however, he died uh, several years later um, uh, due to lung cancer. Uh, I think he died, yeah, 1984, July 26th. He died at the age of 77. Um, he died in Mendota Mental Health Institute due to a respiratory failure um, secondary to lung cancer. Uh, over the years, souvenirs, checkers, um, seekers would chip off pieces of his grain stone until ultimately the stone was stolen itself in 2000. And in June 2001, it was recovered near Seattle and placed into storage at the Wushara County Sheriff's Department. Um, the gravesite now is itself now is completely unmarked, but it's not unknown. Everyone knows who he is due to him 
Well, he's so infamous. Well, he's interred between his parents and brother in the cemetery. The same right. cemetery yeah. that he stole the bodies from. He stole several bodies from. I'm so surprised no one stole <coughs> his body. Yeah. Uh, so... The the, the 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 several movies that you're probably thinking of right now. Well, the first ones that came to my mind were, correct me if I'm wrong, Psycho, uh-huh. like Norman Bates and his mother. 100%. Uh, <clears throat> Silence of the Lambs, obviously. Yep, yep. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, 100%. Yep. The three most pivotal movies that they th- these murders essentially established these IPs. Yeah. Um, so the story of Ed Gein goes fucking insanely viral at this time um pop culture is just swarmed by numerous appearances of um inspirations from these murders in film music and uh, literature the first tale to come from uh to come to widespread public attention was the very famous fictionalized version presented by robert block um i, I sorry I, i'm Blanking his name, I think it's Block or Blotch, Bloat or whatever. Um, in 1959, his suspense novel Psycho. Oh, was it a novel first? It was a novel. Just I didn't a, know just that. under a year later, Alfred Hitchcock buys the rights to his novel Psycho, and his story was loosely adapted into um, the Psycho. Oh, sorry, it was uh, adapted into the film Psycho. Mm. So. 1959, the book comes out, and then, like, not even a year later, 1960, the film comes out. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, this, his story also loosely is adapted into numerous films, including Deranged, 1974, um, In the Light of the Moon. Uh, it was, it inspired um, a movie. Oh, so, uh, sorry, In the Light of the Moon uh, was released in the United States and Australia's Ed Gein. Um, there was Ed Gein, The Butcher of Plainfield, um, the Rob Zombie films, House of 1000 Corpses, and its sequel, The Devil Rejects. Uh, Gein also served as inspiration for the for several fictional serial killers, including, as you said, Norman Bates in Psycho, <clears throat> um, Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs, <clears throat> and one I actually didn't know, um, Dr. Oliver Thredson from the TV series American Horror Story Asylum. That's the one series I haven't watched because it has a scary nun and I can't do scary nuns. Right. But um, yeah, the character in that is is based on Ed Gein. Interesting. Oh, I'm so sorry. Another Speaking of American Horror Story, remember our friend H.H. H. Holmes, the murder castle inspired yeah, hotel, said that. also inspired by the Cecil Hotel. You would kind of figure, mm. right? Um, so, uh, uh, just continuing. Um, American filmmaker Errol Morris and German filmmaker Werner Herzog <clears throat> um, attempted unsuccessfully to collaborate on a film project about Gein from 1975 to 1976. Um, so, supposedly, they interviewed um, they interviewed Gein several times. Uh, they ended up spending almost a year in Plainfield interviewing dozens of locals um <clears throat> they secretly planned to exhume his mother from her grave to test a theory but they never followed through with the scheme and eventually their partnership ended 
and the project was aborted. Um, however, it was later described in the 1989 New Yorker profile of Morris. Um, in the 2000 adapted uh, remake of... Uh, so, in the 2000 film, um, the adapted film of the novel under the same name, American Psycho, uh, Patrick Bateman, who oh. also derives from the Psycho last name, uh, I believe... Uh, he mistakenly attributes a quote by Ed Kemper to Gein, saying, you know what Ed Gein said about women? He said, when I see a pretty girl walking down the street, I think two things. One part of me wants to take her out, talk to her, be nice, be real nice and sweet and treat her right. The other part wonders what her head would look like on a stick. So if you remember that quote from American yeah, Psycho, um, <clears throat> he mistakenly attributes that quote to Ed Kemper, but actually it was from Ed Gein. Ed Gein. Hmm. Um, sorry, he, uh, it was a quote by um, Ed Kemper that he said mis- was Ed he, Gein. Yeah, he misappropriated right. to, that, to a quote by Ed Gein. So it was actually from Ed Kemper. Uh, 2012, a German director, Jörg Bergericht, uh, wrote and directed a stage play about the case Ed Gein called Carnival und Lieb at uh, a theatre dormant in uh, Germany. The part of Gein was played by actor Uwe Rodnecht. At the time, several news reports of Gein's crimes uh, spawned a new subgenre of black humour. So in the 1950s, Gein uh, has frequently been exploited by transgressive or um, shock rock art um often without association with his life's with his life or crimes beyond the shock value of just his name um what i found extremely interesting was what happened to his property so his as i said before his his giant property spanned over 195 acres or 79 hectares um, and his property was appraised for approximately 4.7 grand, which, if you take into account of inflation today, would be around $42,000. Oh, that's not much. Um, <clears throat> his possessions were scheduled to be auctioned on March 30th. But surprise, surprise, no one wanted them? 1958. <laughs> uh, amidst the rumors that the house and the land it stood on might become a tourist attraction, so they wanted to avoid that. Um, however, early, early on the morning of March 20th, the house was destroyed by fire. I was going to say, surely you'd just be like, burn it all. Yeah. Uh, a deputy fire marshal reported that a rubbish fire had been set 75 feet, feet or 23 meters, uh, away from the house by a cleaning crew tasked with disposing of trash. Um, hot coals were recovered from the spot of a bonfire and the fire from the bonfire's location did not travel along the ground to the house. So arson was suspected of coming into play, but the cause of the fire was never actually officially determined. And no one probably investigated it no, that no one, much, to be honest. Like, fuck this. Everyone's like, good riddance. <clears throat> um, by the way, if you are listening to this and you are someone that has a strong stomach, like I do, and is morbidly fascinated by horrific things... You can find all of the crime scene photos you? on Google. I will... I'm just warning you, though. They're awful. Yeah, I can imagine. Please show me when we're done. 
Like, oh. so... Can I... Yeah, if you show me now, I want to look at Full them. discretion. Let's look at them live. If you're someone who doesn't have a strong <laughs> stomach, do not look it up. That's Benice, I'm assuming. Yep. Yeah, so that's... There is Benice's body hanging upside down. And the down. head. Yep. Yeah, so... You, you can said s- there was a decomposed head. And that's the head in the freezer. Yep. Yeah. There's more. Like, you can see the chair and stuff, but that's the most awful one. So, you can see the the body, um, like they said, it's... It's horrible. To describe it, it's... Her head is missing and she's cut from... The... the the. It, it looks like, a, like a, what you would imagine what a, a cadaver would look like with the... Like they would be taking the, the organs out of someone's body. Yeah, um, it's awful. Don't look it up unless her you... Her genitals are missing. Um, it, it's quite gruesome. You can, you can see... You can definitely see how they would have mistaken it for... Uh, like a, a dead uh, animal's body. Um, I can see the the skull maybe, that he uses. Maybe don't describe <laughs> too much of it in case someone listening <coughs> doesn't have a strong stomach. Um, anyway, you can see them online, um, yeah. which is weirdly awful in its own right. Um, you know what's funny is I actually saw an image that reminded me um, that um, several... Uh, se- several um, bands uh, used the story uh, in like their song titles or album titles. So, for example, um, Slayer had an album called Dead Skin Mask. Uh, sorry, a song titled Dead Skin Mask on their album Seasons in the Abyss. Um, a song by Mudvayne on their album LD50 was called Nothing to Gain. Um spelt with the Ed Gein's last name. Uh, and then simply Ed Gein from The Ziggins, uh, their album Rusty Never Sleeps. And there's also a band simply named Ed Gein. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, on top of his... When he learned that his whole property was burnt down and everything he owned, um, Ed Gein simply shrugged it off and said, well, just as well. Uh, At least his, he's self-aware. His 1949 Ford sedan. Have you noticed that all these murderers have Fords? Don't buy Fords, people. Yeah. Don't buy Fords. Uh, which he used to haul bodies of his victims was sold at a public auction for $760, which is equivalent to about 6.7 thousand. Um, sorry, six points. Yeah, 6,700. Um, it was sold to a carnival sideshow operator, Bunny Gibbons. And he he supposedly charged Carnival goers twenty five cents admission to see the car. Wow, that's uh, weird. Yeah, um, I have nothing else to add. Um, that's the story of Ed Gein, who inspired many stories, including Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Psycho, um, f- fucking American Horror Story. Yeah, uh, that was that was um heavy. Yeah. Real fucking heavy. Um, yep. <clears throat> what else can you say? I don't know. I don't know if there... That was... Maybe we should have... Maybe you should have gone first. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> That's... Um, I don't really know how to end this now. No. Uh, uh, um, yeah, I'm not going to sleep well tonight. No. Probably. Uh, on a positive note, I guess... Uh, Ed Gein's dead? Yeah, he's dead. Um, 
quarantine has been pretty fun. Well, we've 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 been um fairly productive. Yeah, I feel like it's really like I we're both people who don't necessarily want to continue doing our current jobs for the rest of our lives. We we have other plans. Uh, one of which includes to be the this podcast. Yeah. Um, they're all little puzzle pieces that all yeah fit um, together. And I feel like being at home as much as we are now, it's kind of helped to stay productive and to kickstart um, ideas like this. And, yeah. You know, like I, I'm recording more music now than I really ever have. Um, I guess simply because I'm not, you know, I'm home i'm not as drained as what i would be if i went out to the office and came back and you know after spending eight hours outside coming back and just you know wanting to unwind yeah it's a weird time but you know we're mm. getting through it and <coughs> I, I made a batch of kombucha you did it looks I'm very good keen to try that out we've made some failed sourdough yeah we i will fucking i made on. tiramisu Learned how to make tiramisu. Yeah, I made great tiramisu. I learned how to make moussaka. Yes, great moussaka. Yeah. Mm, We should have that for dinner tomorrow night. We should have that for dinner tomorrow. Um. Well, on that note, I guess we should just kind of end this one. Um. Yeah, that was really awful. (laughs) Um. If you want a cute, I guess ending to this. Um. Our eldest cat just crawled. He was sleeping this entire podcast on the arm of the sofa we're currently uh, sitting on. He crawled over onto my legs. I, like, flopped him onto my legs, onto his side, and he's currently just, like... He's just gone straight back to sleep. Yeah, he's just, like, paralyzed. Yeah. Just does not move. Um. Well, the only other thing I really have to add, a little bit of housekeeping, is oh, yeah. we did get an Instagram. Oh, yeah. So if you want to find us online, you can find us at Best Served Cold Podcast, all one word, no underscores, full stops, nothing. Um. Yeah. And Shout out to Pineapple Stickers for making that artwork. Yes. Um. Our friend Jay has made the most incredible album artwork for us. Yeah. It's amazing like i'm so happy with it and yeah i think that's pretty much it we'll see you next week yeah we'll catch you on the flip side maybe um maybe we'll talk about the golden state Mm. something else i don't know black dahlia so many sadly so many things to choose from yeah but uh oh well at least we have content to talk about i would like to actually end this with saying um, it is kind of weird that we, I guess, remember the murderers more so than we remember the victims, like mm. such as we would, we would, um, you know, watch a documentary about Ed Gein over, um, or we would watch a, a you know, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Psycho yeah. more so than we would watch something about the victims, which is actually brought up by, um uh biographics um the youtube series that um has actually helped uh me with gathering a lot of information about what we talk about um but uh i would like to say that um take some time and think about the victims that were involved in all these cases uh and all these um you know stories and i also think it's worth noting that if we ever like 
seem like we're joking around or like cracking light. It's yeah. just because talking about this stuff can get very heavy and intense and listening to it can get very heavy and intense. It's like a natural reflex. It's a coping mechanism, essentially. Um, Um, Anyway, so we sort of ended it on a light note and then brought it down again. Well, no, I I guess I would just (laughs) say, like, you know, like, you know, keep in mind that, you know, um, you know, pay your respects to the people who are involved. You should always tell these stories with respect to the people who have very sadly lost their lives. And keep those things in mind, you Mm. know. um, I guess is all I would say. Like, you know, real people out there have been affected by this. Yeah, and, and families know, have lost their... Think about the families and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And we want to kind of, you know, not... I, I, for lack of a better word, provide a positive spin, I guess, to our, you know, retellings of these stories. Um, You know, like, just be supportive of one another. Love each other and look after well, each other. That was beautiful. Yeah. Just, just fucking look after each other, right? You fucks. And Miss America this year goes too. Yeah. And other countries such as um, some children don't have maps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Let's fucking uh, all right. Wrap we'll it up. see you guys next week. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.